This episode of Naval Gazing is sponsored by valleygivesback.org. Adding a Valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes matter to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a plan gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now, give later, and impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. For hundreds of years, we brought you the news. For the info, we gave you the clues. Owners' profits were always sky high. Hi everyone, welcome to Naval Gazing, the Valley Indies weekly talk show. My name is Eugene Driscoll, I am a reporter with valleyindy.org also known as the Valley Independent Sentinel. Today I'll be talking to Dave Negi, the exalted ruler of the Derby Elks Club. They're based at 73 Elizabeth Street in Derby. The Elks are having an open house this Saturday. That is February 17th, 2018. So you can get a tour of their old building, learn more about the Elks, anything and everything Elk-related this Saturday, the 17th of February in Derby. So on the other end of this podcast, I'm going to talk about the most read stories of the week on valleyindy.org. I'm going to talk about some changes that Facebook has forced upon the Valley Indies commenting system. We have no say in the decision that was made. And maybe I'll talk about FOI a little bit. We had some FOI controversies, more or less, and uh, I'll try to explain the Valley Indies interpretation or opinion on FOI matters, open government, sunshine laws, things like that. But without further ado, listen to this sort of mini podcast with Mr. Negi of the Derby Elks Club. Thank you. So as promised on the line with me right now, today, this afternoon, or whenever you're listening to this, is Dave Negi of the Derby Elks Club. And Mr. Negi, you are the exalted ruler of the Derby Elks Club, correct? Yes, I am. Derby lies in the 571. So I'm completely ignorant. I mean, I live in Derby. I live on Hawthorne Avenue. I've, you know, uh, lived up here, I guess, about 10 years, 12 years or so. But I've only been in the Elks Club once. Uh, I don't even remember. It was right before the Elks uncovered that time capsule uh, in the side of the building, which was amazing. It, it was streamed live. It was just, a, and just to be inside, it was a, it's it's the coolest building uh, in Derby. But other than that, I'm ignorant of the Elks and, and all you do in Derby. So I'm hoping for a couple of minutes you can sort of uh, explain that. But I know you have an event coming up that you want to let people know about. Uh, could you give us some details on the where and when? Yeah, February 17th. We're having an open house from noon to 12. On the 16th, was the 150th anniversary of the Elks. 
The elk started in 1868 and have been in existence ever since. Uh, it's going to be at our lodge at 73 Elizabeth Street in Derby. And it's just an open house, giving tours and uh, letting people know more about what the elks do, a little bit of the history, so on and so forth. And so it's 150 years for the uh, this chapter of the Elks Club, or is that like a, a organizational-wide anniversary? No, it's an organizational-wide anniversary. And so are you from Derby originally? Like, what, what's your background? How long have you lived in the Valley? I've been in the Valley about 15 years. I originally grew up in Killingworth. And when I first started uh, in the Elks, I was in the Westbrook Lodge. And I eventually committed to Derby after moving to Florida and back into this area. So I've been a member for almost 30 years now. What what first uh, got you involved? Like, why the Elks Club? Uh, my father was a member. And before he retired and moved to Florida, he got me involved in it, got me in the membership, and I stayed in it ever since. And what are some of the things that the Elks Club uh, does locally? I know, th- I know the Elks Club is always doing something, a lot of community events. Talk about uh, some of the community events that the Elks do here in Derby. Uh, in Derby, in, the, in May, we do a fishing rodeo, which is open to all the children in the valley. It's a free event. Uh, there's never any charge for that. We stock a pond locally, and the kids can come and fish for the day. They get prizes and uh, fishing rods, reels, uh, trophies, all sorts of different things. The main thing right now that we're working on is the hoop shoot, which is a national event. It's a free throw contest, 25 shot free throw contest. It starts in the local lodge area. It goes from the lodge to a district hoop shoot, which is about you're competing against about seven or eight other kids. If I'm a youngster who wants to get involved in that, how does one do that? We try and advertise it all over the place. They can also go on to elks.org, uh, and you can click on your town. You go on the hoop shoot part of the website, click on your town, and it'll tell you when the hoop shoot is. Hi, this is Eugene Driscoll, most likely interrupting myself to bring you a message from our sponsor, valleygivesback.org. Adding a valley charity to your estate plan creates a lasting legacy that tells future generations what causes mattered to you. Your action will inspire others to follow your lead and make a difference. With a planned gift, you have the power to impact the Valley community forever without affecting your current lifestyle. Learn more at valleygivesback.org, an initiative of the Valley Community Foundation. Plan now. Give later. Impact tomorrow at valleygivesback.org. And then uh, skipping around a little, and I apologize, and also just keep in mind, if there's anything you want to bring up that I'm not asking, keep in mind that I'm a moron, and go ahead and take control of this interview. But this Saturday, <laughs> I mean, as I, as I interview you, it's Valentine's Day, and I know this, this is a special Valentine's Day uh, for you because you're talking to me, I mean, because that's what every guy wants to do uh, on Valentine's Day is get interviewed by... <laughs> by Eugene Driscoll over the computer. But so if I show up Saturday, because that's uh, that's when this event is happening, the open house, what time should I get there? You can get there anytime after 12 o'clock noon uh, until midnight. We'll be uh, open 
giving tours, talking to people, taking applications if you want to join. Um, you just want to learn a little bit more about the Elks, come on down. We also have a bunch of stuff from the old days when the lodge first opened. Uh, we've got pictures. We have a slide presentation from 1915. A lot of the stuff you saw in the time capsule, mm. the newspaper reportings. We're going to have all that kind of stuff out on display. And I know, I mean, obviously the Elks is one of the uh, or oldest organizations in Derby. Is it tough these days in 2018 to recruit and get new members uh, into the Elks? Like, how are you doing membership-wise? Uh, it's always hard to get members because uh, you got to volunteer. Hmm. Um, it, it, it's not expensive. Our rates are low. Most of the lodges are low. It's under $100 to be a member. All you have to do is come down, fill out an application, and get a couple of Elks to sponsor you, and you're good to go. And then when you said it, it's a volunteer, because there's some uh, time commitment to uh, what type of volunteer work uh, if I was to come down, sign up, and I could get somebody to sponsor. Not that anybody would sponsor me, because nobody you know wants a reporter <laughs> in there. But what are what are some of the volunteer work that uh, uh, people do? Like what type of time commitment is it? The more the more time you put into it, the more you'll get out of it. We do a Sunday morning breakfast every other Sunday. We do the veterans gift baskets where we purchase food locally um, and we distribute gift baskets to the veterans at uh, for 4th of July and Memorial Day weekend. So we need volunteers to bring that out. Whatever we do, we need help. Mm. We always need people to do things, whether it's even cleaning up after an event, sponsoring event. Uh, if we have an awards dinner, we need people to cook, um, anything and everything. Whatever your little niche is, is, we need people for running websites, anything. And then on the other side of that, I mean, you've been around Elks your whole life because you said your father uh, was a member when you're growing up here in Connecticut. Like, what do you then get get out of it? Like, personally, why have you uh, remained active all these years? To go from Elks to Elks to Elks, as a matter of fact. Uh, I just uh, enjoy the company and being around people, helping the community, volunteering all the time, um, doing good for the community. We're always giving back to the community. That's what we do. All right, Dave. So before I let you go, I, I want to thank you again for taking the time out of the blue to agree to a podcast interview to talk about uh, the Derby Elks Open House coming up. Just go through the particulars one more time, uh, uh, the, the where and when, and uh, give your address for anybody that might not know. All right. It's going to be Saturday, this coming Saturday, February 17th, from noon to midnight. We're at 73 Elizabeth Street in Derby, Connecticut, uh, across from, diagonally across from the parking garage and down the street from the green. All right, Dave, again, thank you so much for taking the time. Oh, thank you. Well, it was my pleasure. All right, let's talk about the Facebook overlords briefly. They forced some changes to our commenting system this week. Actually, I noticed it this week. Could have went to effect 
two or three weeks ago. I just don't know. But I noticed this week. Basically, you used to be able to comment on valleyindy.org under a story. And that comment on valleyindy.org would also show up on Valley Independent Facebook, which is facebook.com Valley Independent Sentinel. Didn't matter. You could go to the Facebook page, leave a comment under one of our posts. That comment would make its way magically to valleyindy.org under the story. It was a great way to foster communication. And, you know, we're a nonprofit. We're not selling cars. We don't, we're not ruled by page views. So as long as the conversation was happening, that's all that mattered to us. Now, the comments don't appear in both places, essentially. Why, I have no idea. I don't even understand like where you have to comment to get it to show up. It's very confusing. But I would just advise people, if you want to comment on a story on valleyindy.org, post your comments under the story on valleyindy.org. All right? Thank you. Now, let's talk about the most read stories of the week. All right, number five. Derby's Cara Rochelle enters a 104th district race. So now we have a Republican and Sonia Alderman Joseph Yauman and a Democrat, Cara Rochelle, originally from Seymour, now lives in Derby, vying to replace Linda Gentile in the State House. Fifth most read story of the week on valleyindy.org. Number four, health worker assaulted during Ansonia home burglary. Excuse me, that was that terrible story where some bad person uh, broke into a home, assaulted someone, triggered a lockdown in Ansonia schools. Number three, update Derby police issue alert after wreck. This is an interesting one uh, in terms of how we get information out in uh, 2018. This was a thing where there was a car wreck on, uh, I think, O'Sullivan Road, right near the Bradley School in Derby. And uh, police, Derby police, to their credit, sent out information very quickly about what was happening. They had a report that somebody, there was a weapon, a gun was thrown. They had an initial report that somebody ran away. So they didn't want kids going into the area. They didn't want the high school on the other side of town, which was being dismissed roughly at the same time, to come over and drop kids off into an active police search. The initial information that police distributed was wrong. But I almost hate to use the word wrong because it was complete fog of war. They relayed the information that they had at that particular time, which, in my opinion, is in the public's interest. And it's better to have the information and not have it. Long story short, they, they got some people. I'm not sure. I can't remember if they made arrests, but... Uh, Anyway, the fact that that was our third most read shows that communicating with the public is a good thing. Derby Police is new to this. They're new to Facebook, and they've gotten really active uh, as opposed to last couple of years where it was just much tougher to get uh, information. Number two, school board settles with Ansonia High School principal. That is the ongoing and unfortunate saga of Terry Goldson, the Ansonia High School principal who uh, officially resigned actually after this story. We did a follow-up that published last night. Uh, He is out at Ansonia High School. And the most read story 
of the week, ValleyIndy.org, arrest made in connection to deadly Seymour crash. That was the crash on uh, Rimmon Road. Is it Rimmon Road? Yeah, Rimmon Road in uh, Seymour, where uh, a guy allegedly flying down a hill, car packed with people, a couple underage kids too, loses control, hits a retaining wall, car flips, the roof hits a utility pole, snaps it, kills a young guy from Derby. I just got that warrant yesterday, and I'm going to follow up on it next week. So those are the most popular stories of the week on valleyindy.org. Now I'll get on my high horse. And the truth is I'm, I'm sitting in my son's bedroom, hunkered down, trying to record this podcast on an iPhone because uh, the flu has just run amok in my house. I don't have it. I'm Batman. I want to be referred to as Batman now because wife got the flu, son, daughter, seven and five got the flu. So far, I'm unscathed. So the FOI Act. Did you know there's no law that says a public official cannot comment on pending litigation? There's no law that says personnel matters can't be commented on in public. Real estate deals, you could talk about it all day in public. There's no penalty for that. Now, obviously, you shouldn't, especially pending litigation, because you're going to reveal legal strategy. You don't want to talk about uh, somebody individually and in public. It's just bad manners. So the law allows for executive sessions where these things can be discussed. But it doesn't mandate that. And I think that's lost on the public and some public officials in general, if they're not that familiar with the state's Freedom of Information Act. There's this view that you can't say anything. You're bound by law, that you'll be put in handcuffs if you express your First Amendment right. And it's just simply not the case. And in the last few weeks, we've just run into some excuses or or justifications for keeping things secret because let's be honest if you're holding an executive session and you're not giving information to a reporter who's just there as a conduit for the public it is therefore secret so we've we've run into justifications that are things that i've not run into before as a reporter there seems to be some uh, jumping through hoops to keep information from the public in some of the communities of the Naugatuck Valley. So I just wanted to say, you know, you there, there are legitimate reasons to keep things from the public, and you can cite the state's FOI open government law correctly uh, when you're trying to explain to a reporter or a member of the public why you're not going to give out this information at this particular time. When an FOI act or an FOI request goes in, the government has like four days or so to even respond to it. They just have to acknowledge it. So, and that's all fine and dandy, but I think the question people have to ask is why? If you're asked for a document or some information, why can't you give it out there and then? Is it just because you want to slow walk it because you can? I think that's lost sometimes on people. There seems to be an adversarial role at times where there doesn't have to be. And I guess I'm just, again, on my soapbox making that point. And I'll just end with 
a quote when the state legislature passed the Freedom of Information Act 42 years ago. Lawmakers read the following into the record. Quote, the legislature finds and declares that secrecy in government is inherently inconsistent with a true democracy, that the people have a right to be fully informed of the action taken by public agencies in order that they may retain control over the instruments they have created. And I'll just point out again that we're the Valley Indy. We're two guys working in a dying industry with no job security. Uh, and I think we only recently got dental. I don't know. I'm on my, my wife's uh, medical plan. But so if Ethan Fry goes in and interrupts you before you go into an executive session, it's not Ethan Fry being a jerk. He represents the public. Like we take that responsibility, as ridiculous as this may sound, we take it seriously. So I, we had an incident a couple of weeks ago where a public official tried to tell Ethan where to stand outside an executive session, and that that should never happen. Uh, I think FOI training is available. It's free from the FOI commission. You can call up Thomas Hennick, have him come down anytime to talk uh, to groups of any kind. And maybe it's something the Valley Indy would, would sponsor and invite and we'll see if anybody would, would show up, if anybody would be interested uh, in that. So we all want the Valley to, ex- to succeed. And open government is good government and informed citizenry makes for a stronger community. Seacrest out. Talk to you next week. Thank you.